0: All right, hey, welcome back to the Grow Podcast for the month of July. Here, uh, privileged to have Josh Lindvill from X with me um, on this year on this month's podcast. Uh, we did this last year uh, where you came on about the same time, maybe a little bit earlier. We talked about uh, a lot of what's going to happen in the in both the global domestic fertilizer markets. Uh, we're back here today to really give a roundup and what farmers should be looking at for fall fertilizer. Um, been a lot of things happening as always. Yeah um and uh always good to have you so welcome back josh absolutely a little different venue this year house yeah. yeah. is last year so yeah. it's evolving. i like it yeah well, i'm excited. excited we got the cameras now we didn't used to have the cameras. Yeah. now we're into the cameras <laughs> so you know last month we were on site out of our farm we yeah. facility so that was pretty cool but uh trying to give it a little bit of a twist um every month and uh we got a cool project going on at boone right now where we're building the big warehouse so uh stay tuned for one of the future episodes here in the next two months we're gonna be out there on-site filming in that.
1: Well, all I can say is, last year we at the elevator. This yep. year we're in the new office and yep. this backdrop. Next year I want to come back on during summertime, but we need
0: to have it on location in Hawaii. Hawaii, I could do that. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a progression. There we go. There we go. That's what we'll, <laughs> that's what we'll shoot for next year. So, um, a lot about what we're going to talk today is just really kind of what um, we're seeing in the markets. A little bit more in depth than what we usually do. You know, most of the times I kind of give everybody a little bit of a flash what it is. Um, the good thing is, is today as we sit, um, it's July 25th, uh, we're sitting here in, uh, you know, at Landis, we have prices out on all fertilizer commodities, um, that farmers could lock in for next growing year for 24. Um, so, you know, it's an exciting thing for me cause it's always the beginning of our selling season. Um, getting a lot of opinions from customers on where they think values are, um, where my opinion are is where values are, but in general, um, with where we're at in the grain markets and where we're at. On the fertilizer markets, I don't think there's um, too many skeptical people on what's going on there. So, absolutely, um, you know, what we talked a little bit about coming in. We're gonna we're gonna start off with the nitrogen markets. So, um, Josh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a spin on what you're seeing from the nitrogen markets, some outlook stuff and comments. Yeah. So,
1: uh, the biggest thing to really start with is that we ended this last fertilizer year, and of course, the fertilizer year being uh, June, July 1st through June 30th. So, we just started fertilizer year 24 here a few weeks ago. Yep. And on the urea front, one of the things we came away with is we ended the year extremely empty on urea inventories across the nation. And we saw this on availability across, especially the Northern Plains up in Canada. We saw this with price increases that were going to go in counter to what we had seen in the Gulf of Mexico and the rest of the world. So starting this year, very, very empty on urea means that we need to move in conjunction with the rest of the world. Uh, Last couple of years, we had a lot of inventory. We could drop these big discounts. We didn't care what they were doing. This year we do. And in fact, we're moving a little bit now to a premium versus the Brazils and places like that because we're actually trying to call these tons in. Right. Um, so we need to look at the world. And that's the thing. Our area means a lot, but we are still part of this world market. it's always important to remember that. And the world market is screaming higher right now.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: very tight inventories. We are still kind of catching up from the last two years. Now, there's a lot of th- signals out there showing we're back to normal. Chinese exports are out there. European production is a lot of these black swan events from 21 to 23, I narrowed a rear view mirror, but we've got to play a little bit more catch up here. Yep. But today it's still a little tight. Prices are moving up. So of course, what do we have to do? We have to move up with them.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing too, is when you look at the international market, you've got key markets that are maybe more, uh, you know, today you've got, we call it North Africa is kind of really mm-hmm. popping off with, with higher prices. And a lot of that I think is, um, it's, it's European buyers the traditional buyers in that market mm-hmm. that are. One, they're looking at the same thing a lot of us are looking at. And, you know, today what's Dutch gas trading for seven, eight bucks a MBTU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look out to the four, and I've talked a lot about it in the podcast in the past, you know, you're looking out forward to anywhere from 15 to $18 in the MBTU. Yep. So I think some of the reason we're seeing some of this price run right now is people are not going to leave it for chance come December, January to be relying on North African production coming out of Egypt, Algeria, different places like that to buy product because if they do get to the point where all of a sudden we push to 18, 20, $25 gas, yep. those tons are going to get exp- even more expensive than what they are today. So I think some of it too is it's buyers are pre planning a little bit more than what they had last year with everything that's going on. Obviously with what's happening in the war, again sitting here July twenty fifth, um, you know, the market's running higher because of a lot of what's happened in the war you know, I think buyers are just taking a a stance that they're looking at everything globally that's happening. They're saying the value today is not bad. Yep, I can survive on that. And when I look at cost of production toward the winter at $18 gas, it's higher than that. So let's just go ahead and own some of these products and buy ourselves some time. So I think that's some of what's happened on the international market. Now India came out today and they're going to tender a little bit earlier. So, you know, I think again, some of the inflation in the global market is driving people to be like, You know, it's there's a lot of insecurity in the market with where we're at from pricing standpoint because it's lower than we've been at for a long time. And that's something
1: I know we're gonna talk a lot more about it. A lot we're finally starting to get uh, the fill programs on all the products out there. So you're able to go to the farm gate with the full package of fertilizer offerings. And I think something the farm gate is gonna really see is that prices are it may be a little bit higher than normal, but they're much, much better suited versus what the last couple of years. We were hyper inflated these last two and it's difficult and it's a lot of money. you got to have hard conversations with your bank and those values have come off significantly. So that's really going to help things. That's across the board. Um, when you look at how much this thing is corrected just in the last few months, even with the current run-up, to your point, I think the European buyers are sitting there saying, hey, these are really good values. Let's go ahead and start locking up. And Egypt just continues to buy these little pieces, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 tons. They're not big vessels. So it's to your point, it's not going very far. The one thing I do as we continue to move back towards normal is if all this demand is being pulled forward, and we've seen this before, does that create a demand black hole later on? Where all of a sudden we get to that point and we figure out, oh, wait a minute, we should be selling this, but we did that back here. What are we going to do? So there, there are still things to be a little bit cautious about. But the conversation you and I had a little bit earlier, and this is something we're always preaching, this is something we're always pushing on. While we can have a view that, okay, maybe urea, for example, we could see values falling off a little bit between now and next spring. You look at where December 24
0: prices Yeah, going. I know.
1: Um, and that's something we just continue to hammer on. I have a lot less fear of urea dropping 25, 30, 40 bucks. I have a lot more fear that December 24, before we got here, I checked, um, it was 5 45 I think it yeah. was. I can see the thing right back down sub five. All of a sudden we figure out this heat doesn't hurt the crop. Right. Uh, we have the yields coming. We have the bushels coming. There's a lot of models out there saying, once fundamentals take over, watch out. I'm much more fearful of that.
0: Stuff. Well, I mean, in general, you know, in our trade territory as Landis today, I would say 90% of our growers that we deal with, everybody would love another rain. Another rain makes yeah. the crop. But in general, we're sitting on a really nice crop yes. that we have today. Um, we've been pretty blessed with the rains that we've had. Um you know, when you look across the, the, pretty well, the whole landscape, again, growing up in central Illinois, we were kind of right in the, the, you know, clear fire of the early dryness, Yep. you know, in our family farm, we still have a really nice crop out there. So I think if we continue to get a few more rains, I think, you know, again, this crop's pretty well cemented. It's going to be pretty yeah. good. Um, you know, we need some more rain on the beans for sure, as always, but, um, you know, and it's funny, we had some farmers in last night that were we were talking to them about some different stuff and I kept they kept asking me about fertilizer prices. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, I said that it really doesn't matter about fertilizer prices. It just means you yeah. I, I only think to everybody is how about sell $150 to the acre if yes. these 24 futures only and just cover that cost um yeah. you know, when you look at P and K cost and then ammonia cost for the fall, you know, last year we were spending two hundred dollars an acre on ammonia for fall. Now you can't touch two hundred dollars an acre on your entire fertilizer program. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're back to levels, uh, I think when I started here in 2020, I mean, 2020 was like, yeah, you know, we were in the base, we were digging a hole through the basement yeah. of where prices were at. Um, we're obviously not there, but you know, we're not, we're not that far away from where it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, the trend is your friend. If you looked at probably a map or a, a graph over 10 years, you know, we're sitting below average with where we have prices today. We're sitting above average with overall affordability looking at yes yeah. 24. Yeah. And been doing this for 10 years now in the, the overall, I'm going to call it the fertilizer landscape, 95% of the time when, um, when, uh, you're looking at, uh, the affordabilities, it's not always a, a necessarily a barometer that, uh, fertilizer is cheap. It's more of a barometer that grains a good time to sell. Yeah. And that's what I think we're looking at right now is it's, it's, it's kind of telling the market that, you know, today's a good price to have some some D 24 sold out. Yeah. I know this is an agronomy podcast, but we're going to bring some grain in. T- yeah, t- today. I'll tell you what, I've, I've made this uh, point to a lot of people here over the last several
1: weeks. I said, if you lock in your fertilizer and you sell some of that December 24 corn and we go forward and you harvest next year's crop and that ends up being the worst decision that you made for 2024, let me know when I can take a ride in your Ferrari because you just had one heck of a year. Yeah. I will
0: take that chewing. I'll happily take that chewing. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, there's just a lot of things happening. And again, when I look at the inter- international market, when we head toward winter, it's still the wild, wild west. I and mean, we still have the war going on. We still have an issue with uh, Europe, Europe trying to find natural gas. You know, overall, when we look at their beginning stocks of inventory for natural gas, they're in a really good spot. Uh, but that necessarily doesn't always paint the full yeah. picture either. Um, you know, for all they know, they could have a really war- or cold winter. Yeah. And they're going to draw down inventory very fast. So, I mean, I think those are some things that, again, as when you look at it as a time when you can lock in profit for next year, man, it's a good time to do that. So um, kind of pivoting here, we we talk, we talked a little bit about the summer resets. Um, so for those listening, uh, summer resets are a lot of times we'll have UAN fill as, as a retailer, um, uh, money prepays. Uh, there's really not I'm gonna say a wide urea fill program right. where the manufacturers come forward to us and try to book tons. Um, the other two, there's some, some definitely programs. So when we look at those, you know, Josh, you've been doing this for a long time. What's your opinion of, um, and again, kind of back to the manufacturers, you're looking at Nutrien, CF, Coke, um, you know, what's your opinion of their ability to get the prices that we're going to sell?
1: As far as what they did this summer? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, I had some ranges where the number they came out with for Phil was right on that line between good and great. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a great job, and listen, I will be the first one to rip them down when I see things that they're doing that shouldn't be done. Nope. Uh, they're making more than enough margin; they'll be okay. Yep. They can they can withstand that feedback, but I'll be the first one to pat them on the back. And I felt like the UAN values they came out with summer were really good. Uh, I felt like the anhydrous was really good. Yep. I tell you what, for example, we don't use a lot of UAN on our family farm, but when the anhydrous fill came out uh, summer fill, I called my dad and I said buy it. Yep. And when the fall prepay numbers finally came out, what was it, a week and a half ago? Yep. Called my dad and I said, buy it. Yep. So, A, just to give you some faith, if if that turns out to be a wrong call, stand in line. My dad's first in line to beat my, you know, Heidi on yeah. uh, making a wrong call. The I felt it was like a very, very good value. I thought it was aggressive, historically speaking, versus grains. A lot of the matrix we look at it through, it looked great.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, you know, I've been saying for a couple months on the podcast, you know, when we had... Ammonia and UIN prices, don't blink, just buy. Yeah. And, um, you know, for the most part, you know, again, being in my position and seeing, uh, we've had ammonia prices out uh, so a week ago, Friday now, and just seeing, you know, the initial uptake of what we had for pricing, it's been pretty fast. It's been pretty yeah. furious. Guys have really saw the value, saw the value of, uh, and it's really helped even this last week, last, you know, five business days mm-hmm. where core values really ranged yes. higher. I think people just saw that as an opportunity to really lock in prices. There always used to be an adage that you would take, you know, the following these futures times one hundred, and that's what the ammonia price should be in Iowa. Well, if we sit here today, that's exactly, exactly. where it's at. Yep. yep. So again, back to the kind of that natural hedge against grain. Go sell five forty corn on the futures, let it ride a little bit on the basis yep. and just go from there. Um, you know, I think that's a great opportunity for some guys. But um, you know i again i i would i would say the same thing on uan i think uan price came at right a point where it was like um and i think a lot of it in retail was more so it's like man last year was tough yes you know it's choking down the high expensive inventory um for those in the market that passed that price onto their mm-hmm. bar onto the customer that were fair and got out there and and just took the devaluation you know it was tough so the first initial number Um, I'm not going to say it was like an instantaneous no brainer. It, it was just about kind of like you said, it was from good to great. Yep. Um, but I think after you, you know, for me, I always just, you know, try to call a few good customers, get their opinion, um, and see what they're, where they stand at. And, you know, after about the first hour, I was like, yep, this number is going to stick. Let's get after it. Let's make sure that we lock up some good pricing for our customers. Mm So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing remains and, you know, you look at the price spreads to urea, UAN, and ammonia, um you know uan and in and ammonia are a huge discount to urea right now yes and so that really again it means two things either urea is way overvalued or the other <laughs> two are way undervalued um my guess is uh, ammonia remains undervalued yes um i think at the end of the day um either you know, manufacturers had inventory to move mm-hmm. and they've moved it and uh, now they're going to probably keep poaching this thing higher as we get to fall. Yeah. Um, I don't, there's no downside in ammonia. I don't see it. it, it and the crazy
1: thing is, ammonia was the only fertilizer of the majors, of the five majors, right? You're talking urea, UAN, anhydrous, phosphate, potash. And that's why I consider my five majors yep. that we track. Anhydrous is the only one that we felt like there was decent carryover inventory into the summertime. Yep. But the problem is with anhydrous, there is a very finite amount of storage. Yep. So they got very aggressive on the summer bill, which we saw. There was a really good number. And once we start going to fall, that's a brand new marketplace. That's a brand new S&D with only so many trucks, rail cars, barges, storage tanks, et cetera. So even them coming in as low as they did, as aggressive as they did on that program, I was proud of them. Like I said, yep. I thought it was a good one. Like you said, I I feel like it's no-brainer. I wouldn't have made that call to my dad if uh, I didn't feel the same way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh you know again when you've got an opportunity where you see right now retail prices in the high two hundreds and and you got money prices in the in the very low five hundreds with where we're at in the grain market Mm -hmm. you know and I mean I'm not super bullish the grain market either with the crop that we have out here Um, we're not seeing a bunch of great demand on the grain side Um, you know it just feels like there's an opportunity right now to lock in some profit. Um, you know, the good thing for most everybody, it, it's a challenging market. and now every day the war goes on. It's, yeah. There's something new that changes. There's something new that happens that yeah. uh, provides a little opportunity in the grain market, good or bad. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, an interesting scenario. being yeah. built. So I'm going to switch over here now to the P&K side. Yeah. Um, phosphates are the hottest topic in the market right now, as we sit here on July 25th. Yep. Um, there was Southwest Fertilizer Conference last week about this time. Uh, I didn't go to it. We had some employees <laughs> that went to it and I vividly remember, uh, talking to Marshall Zimmerman now who, who works here that does some of the fertilizer procurement saying, you know, when you get back from Southwest, we probably better just lock in a little more map and yeah. just kind of get some stuff done. We locked in some stuff before, you know, we might as well just get that done. Yeah. And walking out of Southwest, next thing you know, uh, up a hundred dollars. Right. I mean, just like that in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So. You know, really I would say for the farmer, the watch out right now is retail prices are probably lagging behind, replacement prices pretty good. Yep. Um, But I would also say nobody in the industry has a bunch of phosphate bought. Right. Everybody's got a good layer on, but nobody's got a bunch. Right. Um, So prices are gonna react as we kind of continue through this. I don't know if I'm a believer in where the phosphate values are today from a replacement value. I wouldn't know a map trade here this last, was it six
1: and a quarter? Uh, I think it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Just going off
0: memory. So again, new Orleans barges for $625. I know where our retail prices are and, um, yeah, it's nasty. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not very far away from that price today. So I mean, you know, by the time you put it on a tow boat, take it to a terminal in the upper miss and ship it into us. Yeah. Six and a quarter it's, it's a big number after that. So um, you know, there's some value. The, the hardest thing when I look at the phosphate market and you know you know it a little bit better than I am, uh, I do. there's There's a lot of things out there that are serious watch out still from a price standpoint, from a devaluation as we get to fall. right. And that's,
1: again, we go back to the world. Now, if phosphate just bring it back here to the US, back to the Midwest, phosphate into the spring's time, extremely empty as well. And that was a bit of a surprise. we had had a couple uh, application seasons in a row where demand was pretty poor. Prices were too high. Mother Nature kept kicking us in the knees. So it was a tough run. And all of a sudden, it seemed like this last spring, everybody was playing catch-up. Demand was through the roof. It helped. The prices had fallen a little bit off their highs. But the biggest thing was, as we got towards the tail end of that season, towards the very end of the spring season, that very last demand actually saw prices up. Generally speaking, you know, if you've got, a thousand ton left to sell and I've got a thousand ton left to sell and the farmers want to buy something. Well, we're beating each other up with yep. price, making sure I get to sell it. No, you get to sell And so that price just drops, drops, drops. We didn't see that towards the tail end of the season. We actually saw that spike, yep. which said we're em- as empty as you could possibly be. And that's exactly what our end date inventory number showed on our models.
0: Uh, well, that, it was really, it was like, in my opinion, it was a mental, emotional situation for ag retail. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think back to this past winter you're sitting on high dollar urea, high dollar UAN, yep. high dollar glycate, high dollar glufosinate, high dollar clatinum. You're sitting on all these products that have eroded. Yep. And not just like a little bit, like significantly. And I think it just got to the point where um when they were looking at phosphate, they're like, I'm not spending any money on phosphate. Yeah. I don't know what the farmer's are gonna spend on phosphate. Right. I'm not gonna have anything in my bin. Right. Because I mean, I know for us, okay, we have a ton of storage as mm-hmm.
1: a company. Yeah. A ton
0: of storage as we ended the year with 180 tons of MAP company-wide. Yep. That's like shrink. Yeah. That's less than- That's less than shrink. That's less than one and a half percent or 1% of our entire storage capacity. Right. Barely. Um, so that's four sweepings. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I think most everybody in the industry was
1: the exact same point. Agreed. And we saw that. So that meant as we moved into the summertime, again, like we talked about on the urea side, We have to stay uh, moving along with the world market. But to a certain extent, where we talk about urea, most of that demand doesn't occur until April, May of 2024. There's a lot of calendar. That's for the fertilizer markets. That period is a lifetime. when We can see so many swings up and down. It it blows your mind. Mm I state not so much. Here we are, July 25th. November is literally three months away. It was five in the pool last night, just trying to relax with the beer, hang out. And it occurred to me, we're almost August 1st. That means the pool shuts down in two months. That means November 1 is three months. And from a logistical standpoint, a market that ended extremely empty like it did, that puts a lot of pressure on that logistical uh, arm of it to get everything in place before all that demand starts to hit. And that's going to be something the manufacturing side is going to use to their advantage. Everything is about negotiation power on the table. Who has more of it? The buyer or the seller. Coming out of spring, the sellers did because everybody's conservative. Everybody was waiting. Everybody was leaning against it. Well, now all of a sudden that calendar's working against the buyer. It's moving back to that seller. So domestically, we've got values firing up, yet internationally, not the case. Right. So you, you talk about some of these issues we're watching globally. Uh, China, for the last year and a half, I think it's been coming up on two years. During the fall of 21, the Chinese government came out and they told their people, Global prices are too high, global inventories are too tight, stop exporting. We're a communist government, we're gonna keep the tons home, we're gonna make sure the Chinese farmers have access to enough product. And this was on Supplier Urea and Boss. Yeah. And you know what? It was a huge deal because guess who the world's number one producer and exporter of DapMap is? China. It's China. Yep. That's a huge loss from the supply. That tightens the SD almost overnight. Well, guess who's coming back? World prices are down, inventories are flush. Everybody, you know, we see everything continue to trail down, they're back to exporting again. So you add back in the biggest global exporter, that's a soft situation, that's a bear situation. And we also have India and Brazil, numbers one and two in the world as far as importers go. They're the two biggest importers, buyers of phosphate in the world. They're both decently ahead of their import flow. Right. So uh, this is the situation that
0: we're At in. At some point, the spigot's going to turn off there. Absolutely. They're going to be able to sit there and say, prices have jumped up too much. We'll just hold off. Well, I think that's the biggest thing too. You know, when you look at it today, so if margins are trading for six and a quarter, mm-hmm. we're a huge premium to Brazil. Yes. The only limitation today is the fact that there's lack of origins globally that can mm-hmm. come to us for MAP. Without Morocco, China due to the Trump tariffs and Russia due to the anti-dumping tariffs, being able to bring product here, um, you know, you've really changed the supply situation, especially on MAP. I don't even know what the map dap spread is today, but you know, that's something everybody in the industry usually chat tracks. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's huge again. So, um, you know, I think there's some knee jerk panic reaction coming from some, I agree, you know, there's some markets that a lot of wintering spreading happens anyways. So, you know, for them, you know, the run up and map is a momentary pause, yeah. you know, for us in different spots, you know, as Landis, we got, we got to have it no matter what, you know, what, no matter what, um, luckily for us, we do sell a lot of S10. So yeah, you know, we've, we, that's our primary phosphate and we took care of that. But, um, you know, it's just kind of crazy when you look at it, how fast the market can move. Yep. Um, you know, it's no different than grain when you have limit up, limit down. Right. Um, we basically had the version of two days of limit up on phosphates yeah. last week and it was just, you couldn't get out of the way of it. Right. Um, you know, and you wish we had limits on fertilizer. Correct. Yeah. So then you can get back in front of it, but um, you know, kind of transitioning away from phosphates. I want to talk a little bit about potash. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this would have been last week they came out with manufacturers coming out with potash fill. Um, values again, very, very affordable looking at retail values, you know, low to mid uh, 400s um, to the farmer. Again, great opportunity for farmers to lock in uh, a price that we haven't seen literally since the winter of 2020. Yep, um, and, and that's where we saw some of the lowest prices again. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, again, potash, if we ended with 180 tons of map as it was for Landis, we might've ended with like 100 tons of potash company wide. And, you know, again, when I'm looking at that, that's just purely due to the ability of, um, prices knowing they're going to reset, being diligent, and better than uh, expected spring demand. Yes. Um, spring demand was not was not off from normal at all. Again, with some of those lower prices being priced into the market, I think it spurred some people to demand um, for the crop they're going to plant. Yep. Uh, you know, really when I look at it, you know, you've got some lower production rates. I mean, uh, coming out of uh, Canada, due to the fact that you've had some, port issues, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the port issues that are happening out of Vancouver right now. Yeah, it
1: again, is the biggest producer of potash in the world. They're the biggest exporter, and the problem that they've had is some of the ports have actually had loading issues, belt issues, so they've not been able to move their product, get into ships, and get it exported, so that's kind of the first hickey they've dealt with. The second being that a lot of the port workers have gone on strike. Right. Uh, the first round of strikes lasted for a little while. Finally, it seemed as though they got to where they were comfortable, everybody agreed to it, all of a sudden, uh, last week, there was this, oh, no, there's another strike coming. Well, the Canadian government very quickly struck that down, said, no, this is illegal. Go back to
0: work. Yep.
1: So hopefully those things are behind us. But again, it, it shows from a logistical standpoint just how delicate all this is. Yep. Now, when it's moving and everything's flowing, you don't even think a thing. Oh, no, don't even think about it. It takes one hiccup, yep. And that's one thing. We always talk about it uh, on these presentations. I did this all last week. I think I brought this up at every single one. I actually got a little worried about. It. So like, man, these people are going to hear me say this two or three different times. They're going to be like, oh, he says the same thing at every single one. But a lot of the farm gate looks at the fertilizer marketplace and says, well, that's a little bit like I'm looking at a duck on the water. It just goes seamlessly. You know, it just, it goes from this end to that end. It doesn't even move. There's just a very little wake. It's easy. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing it from the bottom side. We're looking at that duck from underneath the water, looking up and that duck is just kicking like everything, like it's life depends on it. And so many times we had some come so close to having, you know, maybe not quite enough in place or we have to wait a little bit longer. We're always, and it's bad. I hate talking about this because it's crying wolf so many times, right. but we are always teetering towards the edge because the retailer, of course, you guys are having to manage your inventories. And of course, farmers trying to get the best price out there, rightfully so that's your job. You're trying to get the best number out there, but logistically it only takes one or two relatively minor events to go from a perfectly normal season to uh-oh we're in trouble yeah and that, that's the perfect example sometimes it's just a workers worker saying i want this i want that we're not working and all of a sudden it changes the entire complexity of it
0: one well, i think the biggest thing too is, is you've had uh nutrient come out they've, they've curtailed Rokenville, which is the largest mm-hmm. potash mine it might be the largest potash plant. Um, Just due to the logistical constraints Mm -hmm. of getting a lot of their product to export. Um, They've shut down Corey, uh, another mine that they have up there in, in, uh, in Canada. So some of those things from a standpoint of supply, um, you know, the supply that is in market now uh, is going to be pretty good on potash. I think the biggest thing is, is when you look to keep, you know, toward the winter, they're, they're starting to take some supply curtailment measurements, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which farmers love to hear, right? Uh, They love hearing when. People are backing off supply to, to raise prices, uh, but that's essentially what they're doing. They're doing some routine maintenance while they can. Um, you know, for me, I don't see like, I think a lot of what they're trying to price into it is, you know, $20, $30 upside. Um, I think they'll get it from this price, yeah. but to say that there's going to be a runaway run on potash prices is hard for me to really justify. Agreed. I think there's, there's a nice little carry in the market on the potash market, but I don't see where it's going to. Uh, rip higher all of a sudden, be way higher than what it uh, what it should be like. What phosphates have done? Yeah, phosphates are something that are going to be a challenge through fall, um, and it's going to take everybody to kind of figure out what it, what's going to happen there. I fully agree, and that's thing on the phos- phosphate front.
1: Um, that's a conversation that needs to be had sooner than later. Uh, just with logistical issues and the supply issues, I'm seeing out there. I think it's worth it. And okay, let's say we're off fifty bucks a ton, for example. This is one I used to do. When you really take it down to the per acre basis, you're talking about a difference of a couple bushels of corn. Right. It's relatively minor, that price move. And I get, again, over the course of many, many acres, that price difference is a huge deal. When we really break it down to the thing that matters, and that's that individual bushel, it's relatively small. And I would much rather make sure I've got the supply locked up, ready to roll, day one, November 1, 10, 50, whatever that day is, and make sure I've got my fields ready for next year then risk it ask me personally that's, everybody's got to do their own thing but back to the potash side i'm with you i don't think there's a tremendous amount of upside because you know you've been off of plants there's also a mosaic Consate plant that's still offline yep um and whenever they start making these measures if they make these measures take these steps when the price is below the cost of production that's a different storyline which is not where we're at today on No, because no. that's telling you okay the market has done what it's doing it's trying to rationalize supplies it's trying to lower it to rebalance the S&D. These are being done in a period where we're above that cost of production. There's still margin. So it is a little bit of market support out there. Yep. Um, and so if we do see a run up, let's say prices ran up 50 bucks a ton. Well, guess what they're going to do? A Rokinville? Guess what they're, they're just going to do? So that's and when you talk about here's why we see limited upside. And I'm saying in the longer term, I still see prices down further as, you know, maybe some of these Russian facilities get built or mines get built. There's new expansions. Potash still looks like one that will continue to improve as we move forward, but we're not talking hundreds of dollars
0: a ton because you look at where we're at, we're getting very close to the historical norms again. Yeah. I think the biggest thing too is when you look at potash prices in general, he, the reason prices got so high was truly a demand issue. Yes. Prices got so high because there was so much demand because it was so low for so long mm-hmm. and we just had a huge demand crush. Now the prices are lower again now because right. they got too high. Okay, right. the market's job is to, is to inflict as much pain on the way up and on the way down. Yep. Um, we've got to a point again where we're within $100 of the lowest prices ever bought on potash ever. Uh, when that happened, I just started at Landis and we were on the verge of $2.90 core. Yeah. Okay, so it's sitting today at 540 for these futures or within $100 of lowest prices ever. It's a pretty good relationship. Yeah, it's probably not going <laughs> now. You know, it's probably not going to just plummet to the ground here from where we're at right now. So, you know, I foresee a lot of those things as an opportunity that we're, um, you know, they're good times to buy corn's a good value. You know, it's more of a it's more of an iteration that guys need to be selling and hedging their fertilizer cost off the acre than really worrying about um, you know our price is going to fall on fertilizer. You know, and when I look at the entire import portfolio for a farmer today, um, being my job here at Landis. Chemical prices are going to be down significantly. Mm-hmm. Fertilizer prices are down significantly. Seed is going to be flat to up 2 or 3%. If, uh, really the major cost that, you know, I would say that's hurting everybody is interest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you really look at a lot of the prices, they're fair for where we're at today. Mm-hmm. So to kind of round it up, Josh, you know, I want to look at it, you know, for P&K, um, nitrogen. You know, when you're looking at the overall you know, and you're working with some of your farmers. You know, what are you telling those guys on nitrogen today? Are you telling them to lock it up to wait? What's your opinion? So you and anhydrous. I'm saying lock it up. Yep. Um, and this is not when I say lock it
1: up. I'm not sitting there saying it's absolutely going lo- or it's absolutely going to stay at this price and higher now through next spring. I'm pairing that together with selling some corn against it. The relationships, the values that we're seeing today are very, very good. Now corn drops back down. Let's say we grow the crop. The Investment firms start to figure it out, and core goes back to four ninety. It changed that relationship, right? But phosphate, or I'm sorry, the anhydrous and the UAN very well priced. Yep, urea. Um, assuming the retail continues to track that, it's starting to feel a little bit on the higher side. Urea is urea. Yeah, it's and to your point. It's because it's so widely produced around the world, yeah. it doesn't act like the phosphate and everything else does. It's a much more of a commodity, so it's hard to justify buying urea today as the most expensive. Thing. Great. Great when who knows what can i know and that's the thing nine months right yeah it's a lifetime so i don't love urea right now but i i do love uan i do love anitis faustate potash again i can see scenarios where these prices do fall by the time we get to next spring but i don't think the relationship is going to be better by the time we get to next spring that's what spooks me so i do i do continue to like phosphate where we are today i like potash. Like I said, of all the majors, the only one where I'm not really in love with today, it's Urea. Yeah. And, you know, several weeks ago, and it wasn't like much of the market could have gotten done back then. But where we were several weeks ago, that was a tremendous opportunity. But the real market didn't really do it. It It's just a few traders offloading some burdens. You know, some people on Twitter sometimes. Nobody in Central Iowa is Urea in August. Exactly. I was going to say, it doesn't work real well when you get to April.
0: No. (laughs) It's usually you got humidity. It's wet. It sticks up. It's not a lot
1: of fun. plugs up those air machines. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to bring it in in January when it's cold. Yeah. Absolutely. Consistency. Absolutely. absolutely. So, no, I think that's good. And, and again, you know, for those listening, um, you know, especially those that are pertinent to the Landis grain business, call 515-800-GROW. Talk to the grain advisors over there. You know, I really, again, a lot of, again, a lot of people I've talked to lately, 150 bucks an acre. Okay, I think last time I was doing the math, it's maybe 25, 28 bushel the acre. Um, sell either a HTA HTA, or HTA delivered to one of our facilities or just go lock up some features only wait on the basis, give your guys some, some time, but otherwise, you know, it's a really good opportunity, especially looking at the last two years where he came from, um, being able to lock up your entire fertilizer program for probably less than $150 an acre, um, in a lot of cases, depending on rates. Uh, pretty con- pretty nice when considering the last two years. It felt like we paid two hundred dollars an acre for nitrogen alone, yeah. one hundred and eighty dollars an acre for PK. Um, you know, we're really getting an opportunity that is uh, cost to value ratio there on Ds twenty four with um, you know your your inputs for next year. And, and like I've talked a lot of times too, two years ago we had sixty dollar life state. This year we might have sixteen dollar life state. I mean, it's everything is gone in favor. Um, of a of a lower cost, lower opportunity market, you know we still have a really nice opportunity to make some uh, overall economical good on the farm. We got to get equipment prices right. You got to get yeah. land prices right. Can't control that. Yeah. Those those things never seem to want to come down uh, by any means. But uh, again, uh, definitely an opportunity there. So, and one last thing on that. Even if you know
1: you look at these prices and you say, hey, you know what, I'm willing to take a flyer. I'm going to wait till next spring. I want to see if things improve for a little bit. The one thing I've been preaching about a lot, you didn't even ask me to say this, but keep talking to the retailers, keep talking to the elevators, keep having these conversations. With the prices down as much as they are, it's very, very easy to sit there and say, oh, thank goodness we're back to normal. I can calm down. I don't have to watch as much. I don't have to be on my tippy toes like I was. We're still very, very close to it. And and like I said, when you start looking at phosphate Day potash for the fall, there's still a lot of logistical things that need to be done. Um, UAN, there's a tremendous amount of fill that needs to be done. So these things don't happen overnight. And something we really learned this spring, a lot of people took a just in time demand approach and that's great. They're doing your job. You want to get that best price. Great job on that. But the problem is eventually just in time demand meets just in time supply. Yeah. And what happened during the springtime? you yep. are sitting there talking. Yeah. I had all sorts of feedback where I'm sitting there talking in some of these global markets. Oh, it's down here. It's down there why is my price going up? It's logistics. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you can be right on the price call, but logistics go up and all of a sudden just because you were right, you're still wrong. So continue to have those conversations. It's not them sitting there saying you have to pull the trigger on this stuff, you have to buy this, you have to buy that, but at least have the conversation because they can feed that to you. Now you can start to make strategies and say, "Hey, we've got X number of sales out there, but I know this number of tons are going to be one applied." I need to have a game plan set in place so I can have these done prepared and sitting there for when they do come up.
0: No, that's a great point. Uh, And again, I appreciate you coming on the podcast again, you know, kind of our annual tour right now. (laughs) Uh, We're going to try to get you back this winter again and join us again on the podcast and kind of give a spring preview. But um, again, this is Josh Linville. So for those guys on Twitter, Jay Linville Fert, um, Vice President of Fertilizer at StoneX. It's always good to have you, buddy. I really appreciate it. Uh, The last plug I'm going to give is for our Innovation Connectors here at Landis, uh, August 17th and 18th, September 7th and September 8th. Uh, Come on in and listen to us on what we have to say. We're going to have a great meal, uh, a bunch of great innovation partners up in our Innovation uh, Connecting space to really show you what the future of agriculture brings. Um, You'll get to hear from myself and some others on the grain side on what we're seeing in the markets. Uh, It's always a good time and always a good time to connect. So, again, Josh, thank you, and thank you guys for listening, and thank you for your business.